Happy Monday, church family. Uh, Today we're going to look at um, Exodus chapter 31. And uh, this particular chapter is kind of just, again, continuing on um, what we've learned about uh, what God expects in the context of worship. On Friday, we ended with the altar of the incense where they're supposed to make these incense uh, and light it in the temple as a way uh, to show that their prayers are being heard by the Lord. And these particular incense or candle-looking things are are made a very unique way, and they're supposed to be used for a particular purpose, and they're not even allowed to copy the the ingredients uh, and things that they use to make this. This this one candle is unique, set apart for the purpose of God. And I shared last week about how that's the life of the Christian too, that we are set apart for the glory of God. And the way that we live our life is to reflect that God is a different God, that the way that we live is different because our God is different. And and it's not different for the sake of just being obnoxious, but that we're different because God expects us to follow his word. And in following his word uh, and in our faithful obedience to him, we become a fragrance to the Lord and a, 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 something that draws people to him, a pleasing aroma to him in the way that we live. Now, as we go to chapter 35, sorry, 31, uh, we're going to see God gives a a specific command on how to continue on building these things. Uh, This is the second to the last chapter in terms of, um, or I guess this is really the the last chapter in terms of the law that they give. There's a little bit more down the line, but this is one, we're reaching the end of this portion of um, you know, the book of Exodus when they're just giving uh, orders on what they're supposed to do in terms of worship. So, um, you know, all of these things, and for me, just seeing in all these little details, it's, it's coming to a close and it's kind of like a bittersweet because I, I, I was definitely edified and encouraged to the study and I hope that you were too. But at the same time, I'm curious and want to continue going through all the details so the story can continue. We can see how the book of Exodus ends. Chapter 31, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, and the sons of Hur, of the sons uh, of the tribe of Judah. Uh, I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and in bronze and in the cutting of stones for setting and in carving of wood that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. And behold, I myself have appointed with him Ohalib, the son of Eshkamach, of son of the tribe of Dan, and in the hearts of all who are skillful, I have put skill that they make all that I have commanded you. Now this portion I found interesting because God calls these two individuals, Bezalel and Ohalib, Ohilib, and these two individuals, God has called them to do this specific task. And what's unique is that they're actually, aside from the fact that they're skilled individuals that God has identified, but also place um, their talents uh, and wisdom and knowledge how to do these things, which I would imagine would be kind of cool. It's like, you know, God say, hey, uh, these two individuals are really good at making things. <laughs> and, I, and in my mind, I imagine them thinking, oh, finally someone recognizes my artistic skills and it's finally used in, uh, in a very unique way. But aside from the fact that, they're, uh, that the Lord has filled them with the Spirit to do these things, they're also from different tribes. You know, uh, Bezalel is from Judah and uh, the other one's from Dan. 
And that's unique because when you do the, throughout this entire time, it has been told that only the people in the Levite, in the line of the, uh, the, the, the Levitical line, are the only ones that can handle uh, the, the temple. Like they're the only ones that could dismantle the, t the tent. They're the only ones that could assemble the tent. But at this point, God makes us, uh, is revealing to them that, yeah, they're the only ones, the priests are the only ones in the, Davidic, in the Levitical line. They're the only ones that can, that can handle it. But in terms of constructing it, he, he, gives, uh, uh, he, he instructs that anyone can do it. Because it says in verse 6 that, and in hearts of all who are skilled. So uh, God wants uh, these people and have everyone be a part of this if, if God has given the unique talents for them to do this. And it says in verse 7, the tent of meeting and the ark of testimony and the mercy seat upon and all the furniture of the tent, the table also and the utensils and the pure gold lampstands and all those utensils and the altar of incense, the altar of the burnt offering also with all, all its utensils and the labor and the, its stand. The woven garments, as well as the only garments of Aaron, the priests, and the garments of sons, with, with which to carry on their priesthood, the anointing oil, also they and the fragrant incense for the holy place. They are to make them according to all that I have commanded. So this is very again. It's supposed to reveal to you and for those that are listening that all this construction, all the things that they listed, they uh, skillful people can make these things, like even the incense and everything else. Uh, they could make it because uh, they just have to make it in terms of the way God, God's specificity. Uh, but anyone that is skillful for future generations to know that only the Levitical priests, they could, they're the only ones that can handle it, handle all of, all of these things and like do all the priestly activities. But everyone in the, in the assembly, if they are the people with skill, uh, they, are, they can actually help and contribute to this. Now, this is a lesson for us in how we use our gifts in the context of the church. Um, oftentimes, new members, whenever I do the interview, I ask them, how do you plan on helping and serving the church? And, and oftentimes, there's, it's just things like, it's just another, an, a, maybe a fancy way of saying, what do you like to do in the church that could be a blessing to everyone else? Some of you are gifted in terms of giving, others of you are gifted in in serving, others of you gifted in talking, and really in First Peter, it really tells us that whether you speak or do things, it's do it for the glory of God. That, uh, if in a very broad sense, all of our spiritual gifts is is actually just one of those two. It's it's uh, it's either speaking, or it's actually uh, you know, you know uh, uh, speaking or it's uh, doing uh, things that we do with our tongue or the, or things that we do with our hands. Um, this is what First Peter four eleven. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory of dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now. How do you know that this is your gift? What if you have a desire, but you're terrible at it? That probably means that you shouldn't do it, uh, because God will not give you, uh, um, God will not give you a desire to do something without it being the best. Uh, you know, you're called to use what God has given you to its fullest capacity. Some of you will not be preachers and teachers because you're just not a good orator, and that's a qualification. You know, for, for elders, if, you, if you're not good at teaching, you don't qualify to be an elder. This is something that is a skill that you can learn. But if, if some people, and you know, my time in seminary, some people are just not gifted. No matter how much they try, the Lord has somehow made them unable 
to do so. I mean, I had a friend um, who went through seminary, um, and he even acknowledged that he, he, it is not his role to be a, an elder or pastor. But I was like, then why did you go through all this? Um, because the reason that is because he had a, like a medical reason. He had you know, Tourette's and he had stutters so that he couldn't even get through a sermon. I mean, his sermons were probably, if you look in content, maybe 30 minutes long, but he made, but it, it lasts an hour just because of his, of his stutter. Like he can't, they're just words that he can't, he can say. And, the, and when he said there's these awkward pauses and it, you know, he just, he's just physically unable to do those things. And it would not be wise for him to do the role of a teacher when others can do it better. And that's the same principle, I think, for us when we think about it. Whatever the Lord has given you, do it to its best. But some people, you have to humbly acknowledge that you're just not skilled. You just don't have the skill set to do certain tasks. And that's okay. You just have to find something else that you can do. Or either you improve in it, you learn and you refine it, and that's fine too. Or um, you just find something else to do. In both, in both cases, it's, it can be pleasing to the Lord. I think sometimes the reason why we want to do certain things because we either... You know, we envy the attention that it gets or the, or the status that comes with the serving. But in reality, God doesn't care about those things. You, know, you, can, you, know, you can pick up garbage uh, and the Lord is pleased by it. Uh, you can fold chairs. You can clean chairs. You can um, welcome and greet people. You can um, you know, just, just say encouraging things to people. You can, you know, whatever it may be, just do those things uh, well. And that's pleasing enough to the Lord. Do those things that the Lord has tasked you with and unique abilities, and do it to, to do it at the best you can for the glory of God. And that's what is going on here. God gave certain people unique gifts so they can help build and construct all the things that is needed for the priests to uh, do the, um, the the their their role, their ministry as a priest. Now we get to this last half here in, in chapter thirty-one. It talks that the Lord instructs them to think about the Sabbath again, which, again, is kind of weird because it's like, again, this is reaching the end of the book, but he's reminding them, um, he's repeating basically uh, uh, the fourth commandment here. Like, he's repeating them, you, you shall honor uh, the Lord, you shall keep the Sabbath, this is how you keep the, and, you, and he's telling them to do it again. And it kind of like ends them to show them that, um, that, that, you, that it's repeated basically for them to respond and, and, and know that, there is a time and place to worship, um, that they need to do this, that it's not just something that they could do whenever they want, but that it closes with, with this and that all the things that they built, all the things that they have in terms of worship, it's, 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 it's on the Sabbath. That's when they're worshiping. That's a day that they're supposed to worship. And if they don't do it that way, it doesn't matter if they have everything else right. If they do it on the wrong day, they're sinning against the Lord. So we'll see that. Verse 12, the Lord said to Moses, saying, But as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You shall surely observe my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you and throughout, our, throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall, shall be put to death, for whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from uh, among his people. For six days uh, work it may be done, but on seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall be surely put to death. So the sons of Israel observe the Sabbath to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generation as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and you and the sons of Israel forever. For in the six days you, uh, in the six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he ceased from labor and was refreshed. Then he had finished speaking with him upon Mount Sinai. He gave Moses the two tablets of the testimony of the stones written by the finger of God. So what are we to do with this? 
this is just a reminder of when you know when I went through the Ten Commandments that you need to rest. I think well, it's funny when you look at um, you know like success stories like people that claim to work a lot. They actually work a lot, but they also rest too. It's not like they're there's not like there's no it's not physically possible for anyone to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're just not made for it. Um, there needs a time that you need to devote an entire day to worship the Lord, to rest. Um, and that's, again, this seems so countercultural, right? Because our wor world is obsessed with making money. But and we think, oh, if you, you don't work one day, then that means you're not going to, that's one day of money and income that you've lost. Like, yeah. But because when you understand that God takes care of you ultimately, you're just going to have to work hard <coughs> the rest of the week. <coughs> but you have to devote one day out of the week to rest. And I think, again, I, I think I shared this before, that we have two days of rest, which is actually amazing. And it wasn't really until like maybe 70 years ago where that was a thing. Most people actually work six days out of the week. We have two days out of the week where we're able to rest. We should take advantage of those two days. Um, I mean, yeah, you can work on one of those weekend days, but you know, take advantage of the fact that God, in His grace, has given us at least one day to rest. Because you need people, you do need to recharge. Ultimately, the time that you rest, it should be not devoted to work, but devoted to worshiping Him. When you go to church, you have to ask yourself: Are you thinking about work? Are you thinking about? the next deals that you need to make or um, you know the work that's coming the projects you need to do the homework assignments whatever it may be that shows a lack of understanding of true rest I think sometimes if people just take those hour two three hours that we have worshiping together just fully devoted to worshiping him to think about the message to sing praises to him to truly devote our time to him I think the Lord will be blessed and he and will see how the Lord will bless us throughout the week um, just think about the message that you hear every single week. You, in order for you to think about it every single week, you need to be fully there on the day that you're listening to the message. Um, I think sometimes the reason why we don't grow in our sanctification throughout the week is because the week that we're learning God's Word, we're not attentive. We're, we're too easily distracted by the things that's going on in our life or things that's go coming up. And God is saying here, is instructing them, rest. You need to rest. Trust the Lord. Uh, in, in the, and you work hard the other days, but in the one day that God commands us to take a break, take that break, rest for the glory of God. So you could be refreshed, recharged, you could be recreated so that you can do the things that's for the Lord. Our culture thinks that we work for the weekend, meaning like uh, we work so hard so we can rest, but really we rest so that we can honor the Lord with the, uh, uh, w with the other six days. You rest in that one week so you can do your job well and for His glory. And as you again, as you're faithfully obedient to the Lord, you'll see that there are going to be blessings in your life, not just spiritually. But I do think that if you're honoring to Him and work hard, you do the things with excellence for Him, just like how the priests and these uh, everyone else in Israel will do things for the, do their do their best for the glory of God. If you just honor the Lord in that way, the Lord will bless you as well. Thanks for listening. On Wednesday, we'll go through. Chapter 32, again, we're reaching the end of this book, and I look forward to going through that study with you. Take care and have a good day.